Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message. Oh my goodness. Welcome back, Movement Youth. Raise your hand if you got some rolled ice cream out there. How was it? Uh, raise your hand if you got some uh, something from the taco truck. How was it? Raise your hand if you dunked Wes. How was it? <laughs> I think that was the loudest of them all. That's awesome. Uh, well, you, if you didn't know, Kenzie had that little bucket. She'll still have it after service. And it was a free will donation for the dunk tank because all that money is being raised for Speed the Light, which raises money for missionaries all around the world. Tyler, if you would flip that light, that'd be awesome. So that raises money for missionaries all around the world. And at the beginning of the summer, I had someone very special come up to me and she said, hey, I want to raise $2,000 by the end of summer. So from the beginning to, of summer to the end of summer, I want to raise $2,000. So I'm going to invite Nevaeh Doolin to come up here. I just have a couple questions. Let's give it up for Nevaeh. So, Nevaeh, can you tell all these, all these kids, all these students, what you all did this summer to raise money for missions? So, I did a car wash with Campbell, Annabelle, and Riley, and then me and Campbell did a bake sale. And how much did you raise? Over $2,000. <laughs> and why do you think it's important to give? See, it's important to give because so many people around the world don't get to know the name of Jesus or even hear the name of Jesus. So when we fund these missionaries, they're going out to give the name of, to, of Jesus to these people so they can have the opportunity to know his glory. Let's give it up for Nevaeh. So I also got a text from Nevaeh, like what, last week? And she said, I have a word that God's put on my heart for some uh, back-to-school stuff. And so she has a short little ministry moment that she is going to intro. And I absolutely love this because we have a student that's basically kicking off our service. Like, how cool is that? I want to see that this whole year. So she's going to give a short ministry moment, and then she's going to pray over the rest of the service. Okay, so as you guys know, school's next week. And I'm just going to assume that none of you are very excited. And neither was I. I was so worried about the negative things instead of focusing on the positive sides of things. I was worried that school was going to be boring or people weren't going to like my outfits or I wasn't going to fit in and the list just went on and on and on. But then I was reading my Bible and I came over this verse, Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And then it hit me. Why worry about all these horrible things that could happen instead of focusing on what I can do to spread the gospel or reach to other people this year? I was so caught up in worrying about what other people were going to think of me instead of focusing on how I'm going to share the word. So I have one challenge for all of you. Go into this year knowing that your relationship with God is unstoppable. And think about the ways that you're going to have a great year by sharing the word of God. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can be in this room tonight just focusing on you. We pray that tonight you will just send revival and peace through all of our hearts and that you would just speak through us, Lord. We pray that whatever you would do tonight, 
will just change so many hearts and that you will just bless every single person in this room. So in your name we pray, amen. And let's give it up for Nevaeh. So good. So I love that because it's a perfect segue into what I'm going to talk about next. So Nevaeh shared how you guys have an incredible opportunity when you go back to school. And that is to share Jesus with people. You guys get to shine a light. And so I have a little challenge for you. If you bring somebody new to Movement Youth next week who has never been here before, you will get a Four Queens gift card. If you bring somebody new that has never been here before, you will get a Four Queens gift card, okay? That means you could get a sundae or a shake or a smoothie or a, a snowstorm or whatever natural disaster Four Queens calls it. You can get whatever you want up to $5, okay? If you bring somebody new next week. You got me? Don't forget about that. You're going, you're going next Tuesday back to school, so it's an incredible opportunity. Uh, but, guys, I'm so excited for this year. Are you excited? Are you ready? Are you excited? Because I've got some awesome speakers lined up for this year. I've got some awesome sermon series planned. I've got some awesome events. And it's going to be an absolute blast. Tyler and I miss you guys so much this summer. We were very, very busy. We had camps and conferences and vacations and stuff like that. So we were kind of all over the place. And we actually just got back from Orlando, Florida. Shout out my National Fine Arts people. Where are you at? So they made it down there. They competed. They did awesome. Um, but, yeah, we were in Orlando just a couple weeks ago, and it was our first time flying with Hazel, okay? If you don't know, Hazel is our uh, eight-month-old daughter tomorrow. Can you believe that? Remember when I was pregnant my ego up here? Yeah, she's eight months tomorrow, okay? Also, pause. Can we give it up for Tyler? Because it's our three-year anniversary today, and he's put up with me for three years. So can we give it up for Tyler tonight? <laughs> they know I'm a lot, so they really, really cheered for you, Tyler. But anyways, traveling with a baby was very interesting. Okay, we, we actually had a puker on our left, on our flight. Oh, she did not like that. Yes, we had a, I didn't like it either, but we had a puker on our left, okay, and I was holding Hazel, Tyler was next to me, puker. And then we had a screamer, kind of like, it sounded like that, a screamer behind us. And every time Hazel finally fell asleep, some, it seemed like something would happen. Like either the guy puked, we had to get up, or the baby behind us would scream and it would wake her up. So that was a lot of fun. But Hazel honestly did amazing on the flight. Like, she, she really did awesome, and it was a really good week. And every night we had services to go to because it was kind of like a, a fall, con or not fall, but youth conference at night. So we got to go, and I think it was on the second night when this girl came up to me, okay? And I was not by our students that I went with, like our youth students. I was, I was kind of up by the crowd, but I was a little bit um, in the back. And this young lady that I saw, she was like a few people away from me. But she had a word for me, and so she, she found me, and she, like, tracked me down. And she asked if she could pray with me. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I would absolutely love that. So she put her hand on my shoulder, and I could just tell she was really nervous. She was kind of shaking. You could tell in her voice that she was nervous. But she was being bold because she knew that she had a word for me. And I just want to preface by saying this girl had no idea who I was. Like, she, she had no idea that I was a pastor. I mean, these are people all over the country, okay? She knew nothing about me at all. She didn't know that I, you know, work with students or anything like that. But yet she had the boldness to pray over me and tell me that she had a word for me. And this is what she said. She said, God is saying to you, I need you to be filled up to the point of overflowing so that you can pour onto the people around you. And the word that I'm sensing for you is the word homecoming. She said, you've already impacted so many of your students. 
But you're going to impact so many more when you are filled up to the point of overflow. And she didn't know I was a pastor, but she had a word from God on her heart to tell me that. And, and she also didn't know that I, I honestly, uh, you know, this summer has been kind of hard for me. I, I really didn't, I haven't felt like I'm at that point of overflow. I feel like, you know, especially as a mom and a wife and learning all these new things, like I've kind of felt like I've been pouring from like a half-empty cup a little bit. And so she, but she had no idea, but yet she was bold and she did that. And so honestly, like for me, this summer was a little bit difficult. Nothing bad happened. Okay, I didn't do anything terrible, but it was just kind of a hard summer for my faith. Uh, but yet this word that she spoke, homecoming, homecoming, that's what she said, coming back home, uh, it really stuck with me. And I had, I had been praying up to this point about what I was going to talk to you guys about tonight on this kickoff night. And at that moment, I knew it, the message for tonight is called homecoming. And, and so th- props to that girl who prayed over me because this message is because of her boldness, all right? So how many of you like sleeping in hotels? Anybody? Nothing like sleeping in a bed that hundreds of people have slept in, right? Right? That's, wh- that's what it is. It is. And so uh, how many of you have uh, ever stayed uh, with a baby in a hotel, like maybe a younger sibling or a cousin or whatever? Okay, actually quite a, quite a bit. Okay. So Tyler and I obviously shared our room with Hazel. Okay. We, we were all in the same room. And that first night was rough. Everybody say rough because it was it was not not great hazel knew that we were not home she knew that we were in orlando and so it i mean it affected her a lot so every 30 minutes to an hour okay she was waking up in the night could you imagine every 30 minutes someone coming up to you in bed and going wah, wah, wah. can you imagine you you ain't ever hitting rem okay it, it was not fun at all, and that's how it was every 30 minutes, it seemed. And actually, at one point, I, I'm a very light sleeper. Tyler is a very heavy sleeper, okay? At one point, I was so sick and tired of getting up. I finally just, like, nudged him, and I said, Tyler, please, please. Like, Hazel's right next to me in her pack and play. I'm like, please go get her. And this man, I think he was still sleeping because he essentially got up. I'm awake this whole time because that's just how I am. He gets up. I think he basically went over there and did nothing. And then he came back. He knows. He's laughing right now. He laid back in bed as she's still crying. So then I have to get up and I have to get her. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But <laughs> he was tired. But Hazel, okay, she ultimately knew that she was not home. And it affected her and it affected us. We were grouchy. We were more irritable. We were less patient. Because the truth is that when you guys are not home, when you are not home, it affects you. So what is home? The definition is going to pop up behind me. Home, the definition of it is the place where one lives permanently, especially as a member of a family or a household. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that we're all brothers and sisters because we have a heavenly father. Amen. We're all brothers and sisters because we have a heavenly father. So although we have a physical home here on earth, we also have a home in Christ. In Psalm 90 verse 1, it says, Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Our home with God is not a home that goes on the market. Our home with God is not a home that looks different every time somebody moves in. Our home with God is not something that's empty or lonely. Our home with God is is a place where we feel safe and secure. It's a home where we can find rest. It's a home that doesn't disappoint. It's a home that is consistent. And I know that there are some people in this room that have a hard time believing that you can have a home with God because the physical home that you have is not good. 
Your physical home is maybe filled with, uh, you know, things like addiction or arguments or inconsistencies. And what's funny is that in the Bible, that Psalm 90 verse 1 that I just told you about, if you know your Bible, Moses wrote that in the Bible. And Moses didn't even have a physical home for 40 years because he just wandered with this group of people. So a man who didn't have a physical home at all was able to say, God, you are my home. And that is exactly what we need to do. So, so why do we need a home? Because I know that there are some of you that are dealing with addiction. I know that there's some of you who can't get along with your parents. I know there's uh, somebody in this room who maybe made decisions this summer that they're not proud of. I know that there's somebody in this room that feels further from God than they ever have before, and they're doubting that God is even real. That is why we need a home, because we need a place to turn to. We need a place that embraces us. We need a place where we can feel safe and secure, a place where we're not pushed out, uh, let down, or abandoned. And when we have a home with God, what you did this summer is thrown out the window. When you have a home in God, you have someone who loves you and actually wants to see you. When you have a home in God, you have consistency in your life because your father is consistent. So this word that this girl spoke over me, homecoming, it means coming back home. But you can't come back home unless you wander away from home, right? So why do we, why do, we do that? Because I know some of you have wandered away from God. I know myself at times have wandered away from God. Heck, if you read the Bible, a ton of people in the Bible wandered away from God. You got the disciples who spent a couple years with Jesus walking around, and all of a sudden when things go get tough, they just leave him. You've got Jonah who's called by God. He just runs away from where God tells him to go. You have the prodigal son that leaves home. I mean, time and time again, you can see it. So why do we do that? Why, why do we leave home? Why do we run away from God when he's so good? It's because we get distracted. It's because we get distracted. That's just the truth. I mean, think about it. Okay, your physical home. Your physical home right now on earth. You, you don't come home when you have stuff to do, right? When you got, when you got places to be, when you got people to see. You, you don't come home. For example, I'm not saying that dating is bad, okay? But I know what it's like to date in high school. And I know what it is like to calculate down to the minute the exact moment you need to leave the, the person that you're dating's doors to get home on time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't be ashamed. Oh, my goodness, y'all liars. We in church, you got to be you got to be truthful. But I would calculate down to the minute. When is the last minute that I have to leave this door to get home on time for curfew? Like, I, I would do that. And it's because I would, you're distracted. You have, you have other stuff going on. You want to stay out. And when you're distracted in life, you, you don't really want to stay home with God. You don't, you don't really want to be in his presence because you're distracted by all these other things. And in Luke chapter 15, 11 through four, 24, it's up on this um, on the screen here, but it's a parable of the prodigal son. And Jesus, when he was here on earth, he told a story about this father who had two sons. And the younger one said, hey, dad, can I have, like, all of my wealth? Like, can I have the share of the estate? Uh, can I have my portion? And then what happened? That son got distracted by his wealth, so he went off to a distant country. He lived a wild life. He wasted all of his money. And then get this, verse 14, the Bible says, after he had spent everything, after he had spent everything, all of his wealth, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and then, then he began to be in need. And don't you guys think it's interesting how we're closest to God when we want something from him? We, we want to be closest to God when we want something from, from him. But the moment that we realize, hey, I don't really need much, I don't really need him, that's when we get distracted and we run away from home. 
But then the son realized, he's like, oh, snap. Like, my situation's actually really bad because I just squandered all of my wealth. I just used it all, and it's gone, and now there's a severe famine. And so now he's like, oh, my gosh, like, I need to go back home. Like, I need to go back to my father. And you know what? Like, I I, got to tell him that I've messed up and that I've made mistakes, and my father probably won't even call me a son. But even if I can go back and be a servant, I want to go back home. And so he goes back home, and then the word says, get this, the word says, But while he was still a long way off, this is the son, while he was still a long way off, he was far away, okay, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. And then it says the dad got the best robe, a ring. He got sandals. For his son, he grabbed the best meat. They had a feast, and then they celebrated. But what I wanted you to catch there was that the Bible says, While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. That means that the father was looking for his son. That means the father had not forgotten about his son. The father was waiting for his son. And some of you need to hear that because you've got fathers or mothers or friends that have left you in the dust. You know that. You feel that. It's the truth. You've had people in your life who stopped caring about you. You've had people who who don't welcome you back after you made a mistake. But you have a heavenly father who is not like that. You have a heavenly father that doesn't care how far you've strayed, what bad things you've done. He just wants to welcome you back home. But notice that the son did not want to come back home until things got rough. But I am begging you tonight, please do not wait until your situation gets so bad that you feel like you're too depressed you're too hopeless, you're too far gone, please do not wait for that moment before you start running back to God. You can come back home tonight, okay? Because some of you are living this life that's half in with culture and half in with Christ, and it may not, you may not feel any ugliness or bad things now, but you will if you continue down that path and you don't come all in home to God. Because in Orlando, Hazel, as the week went on, she became more comfortable at the hotel. She, she, she became more comfortable because sometimes... The places that we stick around, even if they're not good, start to feel okay, even if they're not good. So now I want to end with our last question. Okay, I get it, but how do I, how do I come back home? How do, I, how do I come back home to God? Because, yeah, maybe, maybe I do feel a little bit lost. Maybe I, I did make some choices, or maybe I didn't, and I just feel like I, I feel distant from God. I haven't felt the Holy Spirit. I, ha- I haven't felt close to my father. I, I want to tell you a story to answer this question. So we are coming back home from Orlando, and we made it through airport security. How many of you have ever gone on a plane before? Okay. So you know what I'm talking about? We, we went through airport security, and Orlando was a little bit bigger of an airport, so we had to take a shuttle to our gate. So we, we, we got on the shuttle after we went through security. We got to our gate. We had 35 minutes before we were to board the plane, before we had to get on the plane. As soon as we got to the gate, I realized we did not have Hazel's diaper bag. I know. Pretty bad, huh? Some of you are thinking, whoop de doo da day. It's a bag with butt-changing equipment. Okay. I get that. But it's important, okay? There was other things in that diaper bag, like my wallet that had my ID and all my cards and all my cash. And it did have my daughter's formula and baby food and butt changing equipment, which is very important because you do not want to see the result of 10 hours of travel and no butt change, okay? You just don't. So there, that diaper bag was very, very important. So I hopped on a shuttle. I got back to security. And I got up to the security guard, and I said, hey, ma'am, 
I, I lost my diaper bag. I just went through security. I know that it's at the end of the line. We just forgot to grab it. Can you, can you let me in? And she goes, with no emotion, you're going to have to go back around and go through again. And I'm like, okay, surely. Surely she does not mean that I'm going to have to go all the way through security again because I, I just did that. So I go around, and I, and I literally cut in front of all these people. And I run up to this other lady because I'm feeling it, you know, like we only got like a, a little bit of time before we got aboard. And I run up to this lady that takes the IDs, you know what I'm talking about. And I go up to her and I said, hey, like I just went through security. I lost my diaper bag. It has my wallet in there with my ID. I really need it. My plane board soon. And she just looks at me with no emotion. And she says, um, <clears throat> if you could just stand over there, I'm going to have to call my supervisor. And I was like, okay, thank you so much. So then I went and stood in what felt like airport security timeout and waited for the supervisor to come. And this guy eventually comes up, and I'm like, hey, sir, I, I lost my diaper bag. I need to get back home. My plane is going to board soon. My wallet is on there with my ID. They won't let me go look for it because I don't have my ID. They don't know who I am. And I literally just went through like 20 minutes ago if you could, you know, just let me through. And the guy with no emotion says, Actually, he grabbed his walkie-talkie, and he just goes, lane one and two, you got a diaper bag. Lane three and four, you got a diaper bag. Lane five and six, seven and eight, nine and ten. And, like, if they didn't answer, he would just get mad, and he would repeat himself. And, like, nobody was barely answering at all. But anyone who did answer was saying, no, no, no. Like, nobody cared. And then he just left. He just was like, I, I, I'll, I'll, you know, be back or whatever. So he, he leaves. And I'm just sitting there. And at this point, I'm starting to really panic because our plane is going to board soon. And then this other guy comes up to me, and he, he just says, like, I, I, I feel the tears coming at this point. And some of you are like, you're dramatic. And I'm really not. But it was kind of like, okay, my daughter doesn't have any food. I'm not going to be able to go through security because I don't have my ID. And I'm just like, I'm feeling this anxiousness. I got students on the plane that got to get home that I should be with. And so this guy, this other guy comes up to me. Like, it's like he sent someone to tell me, hey, we, we can't find it. And so I'm looking at this guy, this, this big old burly guy, and I'm like, Please, like, like my daughter's food is on there, like my, my like ID is on there, whatever. And he just like looked at me like I was the biggest burden to him. Like I, I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you so much. So he just leaves. Like he's just like, I'm out. <laughs> and he leaves. And then eventually, that other guy he he comes back, and with a walkie-talkie, the walkie-talkie dude. And so, um, I tell him, I'm like, I I need to get home. Like, what are my options? What can I do? And he's like, with no ID, like, we really can't do much. I would just go check lost and found. And I'm like, okay, um, I just came through, like, 20 minutes ago at this point. Like, it's not going to be in lost and found. Lost and found is on the other side of the airport. There is no way that in that short span of time you took the diaper bag from there, somebody found it, and then you took it all the way to the other side of the airport for lost and found. No. But I went because that's what he told me that that was my, my option at that point. So I went, and my phone wasn't working, so I couldn't call Tyler. So I go to the – I, it's just a perfect storm. So I go up to the lost and found, and the lady, she was a little bit nicer, but she had diaper bags that were not ours, okay? So she's holding up all these diaper bags. I'm like, no, 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 like, ah, you know, I'm starting to get really worked up, and I asked her if I can use her phone, so I called Tyler, and he's like, okay, like, Hazel and I, we're, we're going to get on the, the shuttle, we're going to come, and, and we're going to find you at security. So I'm walking back from this desk, okay, from this lost and found, and guys, like, my cry face was strong. Anybody who was walking by me knew that I was upset, okay? Like, I'm just, like, walking through the airport. <laughs> not, not like that, but, like, you could tell, you could tell that I was very, very upset. 
And I pass by person after person after person who sees how upset I am, but not a single person asked about my, single, my, my situation. Not a single person asked how they could help me. So I get back to the airport, security timeout. The guy eventually comes, and at this point, it's like almost a lost cause. I'm like, we're missing our flight. Like, there's nothing he can do, okay? And um, he told me that the only way I was going to get home was if he called Washington, D.C. to verify my identity. And then he, he was like, there's no way you're getting on your flight. Like, you're going to have to get a different flight. So Tyler um, is, is coming around the corner at this point, and this woman, this blessing, this angel comes up. And she asks about my situation. And through tears, I tell her what I've been telling you. My diaper bag is missing. My ID is on there. My daughter's food is on there. And she goes, how, how like, long ago was this? And I said, like, 30 minutes ago max. And she goes, oh, mama, we going to find that diaper bag. And that woman took off into security on a mission, okay? So Tyler comes up, and I'm like, and the guy is still, the walkie-talkie dude is still standing there. And I'm like, okay, this is my husband. Is there anything he can show you to verify my identity? I mean, okay, if you don't know, Tyler works at a bank. So they have an image of my driver's license, like, in their accounts. Like, he can just make a phone call and somebody can send it. And a couple of minutes, um, or the guy, the guy told me, uh, no, like, I'm sorry. Like, no, it has to be a physical identification. I can't do verbal. I can't do... Uh, you know, anything digital, it has to be something physical. And guys, a couple minutes later, this godsend of a woman approaches us. And she goes, Mama, is this your bag? And I said, yes, it is. We can applaud for that. It was an emotional time. And she rushed us to the front of the line in security. And she was calling me mama. And she was calling Tyler dad. And she's like, mama, take off your shoes. Dad, take off your shoes. Go through this line. In the name of Jesus, we will get you on that flight. Praise the Lord. We will get you on that flight in the name of Jesus. She was yelling that in airport security. <laughs> that woman did everything that she could to help us get home. It took somebody stepping out and doing whatever they could to get us back home. And just like in life, the reason why we lost the diaper bag in the first place is because we got distracted. We were thinking about all the other things that we had to do and all the things we had to grab. We were so worried about all the other stuff. And once we realized that we lost it, I passed by person after person after person who saw how lost and hurt I was, yet not one of them did anything about it. I was rushed off. I was looked over, I was pushed out, I was set aside until one woman decided to get into our situation and use her resources to do something about it. But could you guys imagine, could you just imagine this for a second, if that woman came up after all of that emotional turmoil, could you imagine if she came up and she goes, Mama, I found your diaper bag. I know how to get you home. I have it. Could you imagine if I said, no, I don't want it. I don't want to go home. I don't need it. I know I said I, I maybe wanted it and I maybe needed it, but no. Could you imagine if I did that? Because we are all in a place, we're in a room right now, filled with people just like that lady, your small group leaders, 
You are filled in a room with people who are ready to get you back home with God. We have got small group leaders who are ready to get into your situation, your home life situation, your friend situation, your relationship situation, your addiction situation, and use their resources to do something about it. They know how to find some of the lost things in your life to bring you back home to God. But you guys have to decide to take that help. It seems silly to think about me refusing to take the diaper bag after how much agony I went through, all the emotion, the up and down roller coaster. And it would be silly this year if you don't engage with the people who are in this space tonight and week after week to pour into you. If you don't get to know your small group leader, if you don't engage in worship, if you don't engage with the Lord in your personal time, if you let distractions and pride get in the way of you coming home to God fully. But others of us have done done that though, right? You're like, okay, like, this is cool. Like, I, I have been to youth for the past four years, and I, I know my small group leader, and I engaged in small group last year, but I still feel the need. I don't feel like my faith is where it once was. And I wonder how many of us are so consumed with our own life and our own struggles that we're looking over others who need our help, who need to get back home. Some of us feel distant from God because we are more consumed with ourselves than we are with those he wants us to reach. Can you just mentally take a snapshot of this phrase, found people find people? Are you found? Has Jesus Christ found you? Then start finding people. Don't be so consumed with this me, myself, and I attitude that you don't see people connected to your destiny, the purpose that God has put in you. I, have, I, I pray that we have people in this room that don't just say at school, hey, that's tough. Really sorry you're going through that. I'll pray about it later. Or hey, you know, I, I see that you're being bullied, but I'm just going to kind of walk away. I pray that we don't have people like that. Instead, I pray that we have people that will surround, in this room, that will surround those that they see hurting as they walk through the halls and change their entire lives and their each, entire eternities by laying hands and praying on them, by sharing scripture with them, by picking them up when someone has pushed them down. I believe that there are people in this room tonight who are those people. It's time to get over yourself and bring others home. And you know what? I think it's funny. I think it's really funny that the things that were keeping me from getting home were my ID and food for my daughter. Because so many of us are not making our way back home because we're searching for our identity and to be filled up with something but we are not looking in the right places. I also think it's funny that the guy told me that I could not show my identity by something verbal or digital. It couldn't be something that came from a screen or what someone said about me. It couldn't be a copy of something. And so many of us think our identities are tied to what people say or what we post 
or how we compare to other people. But if we don't walk the walk and do what Jesus calls us to do, if there's no physical evidence that we are true followers of Christ, then we are never going to figure out who God wants us to be. We will always be lost people searching in the wrong places. And I want that to change for you guys tonight, for the people in this room tonight. I want there to be such a strong homecoming celebration from you deciding to run back home fully to God. I want you to live a life that is so overflowing that you can't help but to bring others back home. You guys have resources at school. You have opportunities at school, in your home. You have people to bring back home. And I don't want you to be like the people in the airport who just passed by me, saw how hurt I was, saw how lost I was, and do nothing about it. So if that's you tonight, and you're just like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of straying. I'm tired of wandering. I'm tired of being lost. I'm tired of not knowing who I am or trying to fill myself up with things that don't last. I want to come back home. I want to overflow. Or maybe tonight you're deciding you want to come home to God for the first time and just kind of learning about who he is. And you want to experience all of his goodness. I'm going to ask that you just bow your heads, close your eyes. Because this is a pivotal moment for people in this room that want to make that decision, that are ready to live an overflowing life, a life that where you're shining a light for Christ. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask that you seize the moment and that you press in and that you run back home with all your might and you tell God in this prayer that you want all of him, not just some of him, that you don't want to be half in with culture and half in with Christ. You want to be all in back home with him. So if that's you and you want to make that decision to come back home or to just come home for the first time, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three and raise it high. So if that's you tonight and you want your entire life to be changed because of the transformation of what Jesus Christ is going to do in your life, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you tonight. Hands all around. You can put those hands down. Repeat this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. I'm sorry. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Fill me up to overflow. Open my eyes to those around me. Don't let me miss a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give God praise tonight. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.